Hello and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up on air and online seven days a week here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, listening to us, you are, he said Yoda-ishly, uh, as either a podcast, that would be the first link on our homepage at the aforementioned uh, website address, or uh, listen via the second link, and that is the link to our radio loop, as we rather appropriately call it, because in essence, uh, it is a version of the show running in a loop, and it gives you the experience, kind of, of what you would have if you decided to listen to us on the radio. If you could just take a normal radio set or a radio set of, of another era even and simply turn on the dial and pick up the show at whatever point it was, get interested from whatever point you begin listening and get yourself involved in it as you go. That's pretty much the way we did things we did things. It's the way uh, people of a certain generation listened to people in a talk radio environment a few decades back. That, that was commonplace anyway, a few decades back. There's still plenty of stuff out there, but it's not usually presented quite that way, although, I, well, it is and some AM stations, and some AM markets around the country. Largely, you'll get the right-wing stuff presented that way. Not a lot of, uh, uh, of lefty-type stuff, like us. Well, we're center-left anyway. And we're glad we have you listening to us, however you happen to be uh, doing that right now. Uh, and you're doing it on Friday the 19th of July. Um, uh, July, Wow. It's the 19th of August. It is, it is well past that time when I was a kid. Uh, by now, I, I, you know, I was, we were, everybody, all the kids in the neighborhood were so aware that school was edging back into our lives. Summer vacation was about to go away. And, and everything was going to change again. And it, it, it was... It was a combination of, I guess there was anticipation, but there was also, it was a sad time. Whatever freedom you knew you had from the summer, all of that, all of that less structured time, uh, in my own case, it wasn't necessarily happy all the time. There was a lot, there was a lot going on. But it, it, was, it was at least under a more structured environment. And for the most part, I would, I would find myself when I was younger down with my grandparents and my aunt and uncle in Brooklyn and spend my summers down there. And my life down there was uh, from, from, a, from a friend's perspective, from a, what I could do, from just how I could enjoy myself, from how it felt from a physical environment 
uh, it was substantially <laughs> better than my life was uh, where I was up in the Bronx the rest of the time. But uh, it, it, and, and it, this would be the time of the year when I knew it was coming to an end. My proximity to Coney Island from where we were, the, a very short uh, subway ride away, being able to go on the rides. Uh, the parachute ride in those days was still open. The bobsled was still there. Of course, all three of the original big roller coasters, not just the original Cyclone. We knew that Bay 12th Street was where you stayed uh, if you wanted to find people from our neighborhood in then Bay Ridge, it was called, now they, where, I'm, where I was from is now called Sunset Park. Uh, but you, you knew all these things, and it, it, was, it had its own structure, but it also had, it had give at the corners, and you felt secure but not over-controlled, as a kid anyway. This is how I saw my life then. And I, and I so looked forward to my time in Brooklyn uh, during the summers to, to be able to get away from uh, an otherwise difficult sort of a, a life situation that I was having back up in the Bronx. There, there were always bullies. Now, I'm, anyone, anyone who meets me, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big guy, uh, over 6'3", and, you know, I'm not some little slender thing, or I, I may have been at one time, but haven't been for some time. And yet I, uh, and you would think, well, you know, uh, as a kid, oh, you know, you were tall, so you had no, no. I, 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 was, I was frequently bullied. Uh, simply because I was different. I was always a little different than everyone else. I was, I was a smart kid. I had a mouth. I, I knew I thought differently than the people around me. I knew I didn't share a lot of their points of views. I've, I've always seen myself as something of an outsider. I think I've talked about this from time to time. I think, I think what, I, what I am and what I do and what I've sort of evolved into at this point in my life tells me that, uh, yeah, yeah you're, 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 I, was, uh, I was not cut from everybody else's cloth. I'm, I'm different. And different people tend to be the object of bullies. And, and I guess th this has always been the case. And you accept it. And, and there have always been bullies uh, portrayed in, in movies and society, and, and, and especially now as we've gotten further along in, 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 uh, in educational television and, you know, Nickelodeon and Disney and all those channels are always talking about dealing with bullies, how you deal with a bully situation. This is a constant theme in how we try to raise kids, how we alert them to the possibility of bullying, how we try to explain what it is a bully is doing and how we react to all that. It's a, it's a big deal. And, and, and you see it regularly in, in, in kids' programming. But where you don't see it, or where I have never seen it before, is 
nationalized within the country where one political party has become, has allowed itself to become a vehicle, a mechanism for bullying. And, 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 and of course, if, if you were to confront uh, many Republican uh, politicians, lawmakers, I, 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 I hesitate to use the term lawmakers because most of them are not in the least interested in making laws. They're interested in having power. But they're not really, they're, maybe perhaps they themselves are not so much interested in bullying. But what they understand is that they have collectively, via Donald, I, I, I have to say this, Donald is, has, really, has really congealed this whole thing, but they have created a group of people in this country, perhaps the number, I don't know, might be anywhere between 15 and 25 percent, a relatively small number, but still, when you do the math, you're talking about, uh, you know, what, 75 million people out there in one form or another, in one location or another, who are of a mindset or who have been who have been negotiated who have been mentally herded into a position where the notion of bullying the notion of intimidation the notion of taking by force the notion of demeaning democratic institutions, the notion of tearing it all down, the notion of threatening outright others who are not of the same mindset has become and has been endorsed as an acceptable means of expression. And the endorsement is coming from a collective huge chunk of our political system, formerly known as the Republican Party. It's now the Republican lie down, speed bump in the road. That's all it really is. I, 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 I you, we've, we've talked about this. We've, we've, we've spoken about it. And, and I'll be honest with you. Most times when I talk and think about this, I am not trying to dwell on it. In fact, I'm, I'm frequently looking for a way to um, relieve my mind of the thought, of the idea that this level of encouragement, this level of acquiescence, this, this, this wanton endorsement of ugliness in a substantial chunk of the population by a collective Republican party is not going to lead. I mean, 
it, it's a connect the dots kind of a situation. You say you could say, well, look, look at this. You know, if you if you did a sociological study, if you did a, 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 a psychological paper, you would say, well, by doing this, 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 and basically emboldening these people, and it's a larger part of the population, and no one's pushing back, and an entire political party is endorsing this level of violence and ugliness, and you see what's happening, and you see the beginnings of this, and it's happening at a time when the country is going through and is going to continue to go through demographic change, which will result in a browning of America or a tanning and has resulted in a tanning of America. Things have changed physically, visually. People basically, a lot of people have not kept up with the technological changes in the country and basically do not like the direction we're going in, do not like the policies of inclusion that, of course, have invariably been sponsored by Democrats and liberal types that have given us gay marriage, that have given us the, the right to a, a, abortion. That's been turned around now, but there's a, there's a lot of problems with that. The Republicans are seeing what's going on, how that's a mistake politically, that have given us transgender rights that basically are opening us up to the notion that there are others who are different than that deserve to be included in. And this is this has been used by Donald and and because of the force of his personality and his thuggery his 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 thug his thuggish mentality and his way of projecting himself very successfully on many people of weaker minds this has now bled into 25% of the population and it is an endorsement of change by any means because we can't possibly allow it, whatever it is, to continue. The it that has given us inclusion cannot continue to exist. And the only way to get rid of it is basically to destroy the very institutions. Why would that be something that Donald would push? Easy, because Donald has been bucking institutions his entire life. He is now finally in the crosshairs of investigations all over the place. He knows he's playing a losing hand. He can't get lawyers to support him. No one wants to waste their reputation on this guy. So what does he do? Tear it down, rip it up, destroy the FBI, put, bullet, put, put targets on their backs, get everybody riled up against the system. Take it down. Because Donald's first need, more than anything else, is to feel that he is leading a mob, a crowd. He has to be the most important person in the room. He has to be the top story. And given no other, no other mechanisms, no other reasonable way of getting beyond the problems he has right now, he automatically defaults to punching down, to fighting, to fighting back, to basically demeaning, demoralizing, bullying, creating the other side as a demon. Not in any way, shape, or form playing within the rules that one would expect of someone like a former president of the United States to play. 
And he's got 25 million people who really, really believe him, who believe that basically unless we stop it, it being the only thing I can wrap my head around from their perspective, it is the government, it is the system. Unless we get rid of it and replace it, or maybe we just get rid of it and it evolves into something that we will feel better about, our grievances will somehow have been uh, salved or something. But that, that is the mindset that's out there. And it's a mindset just waiting for a few triggers to become something really ugly. If you think the 60s were ugly with the civil rights with the civil rights uh, you know, the problems that were not, well, with, with, with the burnings and the lootings of cities that were taking place around the country. If you remember, if you were around, if you remember the fear associated with that, that everything was being burnt to the ground, or that's how it felt in Watson, in, in New Jersey, in Newark, parts of New York got this as well. It was all over the country. It was out in Los Angeles. It was out in Oakland. It was we, we, Chicago, the riots. Every, there was this constant sense of everything being torn down, of people saying, that's it. Then it was a minority population within America, still 13% blacks in America, concentrated in cities, and the frustration, much of it very, very valid, finally bubbled over. Here, it is half of the political system, Republicans, endorsing violence based on lies that simply are serving ultimately the needs of one person. One person is projecting everything that he doesn't have, the emptiness of his soul. He is projecting it on the rest of, of, of the people who will follow him. They are willing to accept this emptiness. They are capable, they are prepared to basically open themselves to the notion of grievance as the basis for all that they feel. They're willing to express that grievance in any way they are thrown. Donald knows can be done subtly, it can be done with half a remark, it'll be done mostly through surrogates. This is not a group of people rising up because they are oppressed. This is not, th these are, in large part, the oppressors. These are the people who traditionally have been the racist and the, and, and the anti-religious groups and the ones who have basically wanted people who were not exactly whitish enough like them to be kept in their place. This is the former establishment, if you will, or the people who would have, who would have supported the former establishment saying, we can't support anything anymore. We are basically out of options. Donald has convinced us, and the Republican Party is making sure that we do, we hear nothing to convince us otherwise. 
that the only way out of this is to take it down. So you have a Chuck Grassley out there, like some, some flaming asshole running around saying that, that the IRS is going to come out with AR-15s and they're going to come and start collecting money from small businesses and threatening their lives, and that the FBI is all a bunch of... The, it's, it's the fascist bureau of investigation, and they're basically... A and they're destroying our... And they're taking... Every, it's... It's, it's beyond, it's first, more than anything else, it's, it's beyond disgusting. It's beyond, it's beyond nefarious. It's beyond anything that you can imagine for this, or that I would have imagined this country would be. But more than that, it's not just something I can talk about on air and find a way to then take it out of my head so that I'm not feeling this sense of uncertainty about it. This is something that is being ginned up and revved up constantly. And you're getting people talking about civil war. And you're getting people talking about taking it all down, taking it apart. Civil war against who? Who is going to attack who to get what? What, what will be the result of whatever war it is people, people want? Do, what do they do? Well, that's that's even an even bigger problem because it will simply be letting off steam and frustration, and that will mean there's no there'll be no logic or reason to many of the people who will be targeted, or how the targeting will happen, or how fighting will take place. It will be wanton violence. This we're aiming towards running street battles for no particular reason except you're looking for the enemy who you think might be the person who's hurting. It's so ill-defined. Everything about this is so ill-defined that anyone who will give these people a target, that's who they will follow and that's what they will go for. Just give me a damn target. Is it the FBI? Great. Is it the IRS? Great. Is it election poll workers? Is it people who are trying to have free and fair elections in this country who are making very little money and simply do it because they're dedicated to the process? That's who they are? Great. And maybe anyone who supports them. I don't know. Just, just give me a target. And the Republican Party, God damn it, these, 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 these sick... SOBs, continue to let this go on this way. And we're edging ever closer to just watching this whole thing begin to blow up. Now, the way things look right now, the Republicans are, no one could have possibly imagined this three, four months ago, but the Republicans are going to give away the Senate. Remember, remember the storyline in in any and, and and this is and this is the other the other parallel track to all this. For as for as irresponsible and ridiculous as the Republicans are, for as useless as they are as a bunch of of humans, as as for every for every pair of pants in there, there isn't there isn't there isn't enough to enough to fill up their pants. Any one of them. Liz Cheney is, is the one who basically is showing them what it's like to have a pair. And that scares the hell out of them because they had to get rid of her, therefore. Okay, they took her out of the they took her they 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 uh, they took her out of her position of leadership. She was just she just lost her primary by two to one. Although 
one third of Wisconsin voters did vote for her in the Republican primary. I know it sounds like a tiny number, but there's rationality out there somewhere. Okay, there are people who understand the importance of not letting this go any further. But the Republican Party as a group doesn't. Mitch McConnell said yesterday in an interview, he goes, he goes, we should be taking this like crazy, but we are suffering from candidate lack of quality. I think those were his exact words. Polite way of saying we've got a bunch of losers running. We got Mehmet Oz in Ohio. We got, we got these idiots in, uh, in, in Pennsylvania. You have idiots in Ohio. You're losing in Arizona where you should never be losing in a thousand years. The Senate will stay with the Democrats and they may even pick up a little more. That's how it looks now. Couldn't have imagined that. Couldn't have imagined that, you know, a, a, few, a few months ago. But Trump endorsements of the wackiest, most off-the-wall candidates basically is, is making that happen. On the House, it's a different situation. These are always local races. Now, you never know. It depends on how people play their ticket. You may, you may get some people who will split their ticket and basically uh, go against who might otherwise vote for some of these Republican House candidates or who may not vote at all. Or if Liz Cheney goes on a, and I'm talking about Republicans now, if Liz Cheney uh, basically uh, uh, get, can get her storyline out there enough for the midterms, there, there, there could well be a situation where the Democrats somehow hold the House. Now, they should be losing both House and Senate if it's any kind of a normal midterm after you've had an election where the person who wins the presidency, where his party takes both the House and the Senate, well, you know what happened to Bill Clinton, you know what happened to Barack Obama, you, you know how these things work. It's, it's, it, it's, it's sort of the ground rules of American politics. But we also know that if the, if the Republicans take back the House, and a, and a, and a weak-kneed, useless piece of garbage like Kevin McCarthy winds up as Speaker of the House and begins his hearings on the FBI or begins his hearings on, uh, on, on uh, anyone and everything. Oh, and starts investigating Hunter Biden. Maybe they'll even start doing Hillary Clinton again. Who the hell knows? If we get back into that mode, it's only going to be used to gin up the base again. And this will be what Donald will launch himself off of. And he will go ahead and he will say he's running for president. And we're back to a point where this thing is going, it's going towards explosion. We're getting, we're moving in a direction. We're doing nothing to stop a movement, a, a momentum towards some kind of a violent reaction within the country. And it's a it'll be a blind violence because there is no rationally definable source that should be blamed for whatever it is in the souls, the grievances in the souls of Trump supporters. It's all about Donald pumping them up. And the only source that we have to stop that right now would be a rational Republican party. And that party has basically gone missing. It doesn't exist right now. And if some group or someone within the Republican power uh, authority doesn't start 
rising up. I mean, other than beyond Liz Cheney, it can't just be Liz Cheney. But there has to be some kind of fundamental uh, renaissance, almost spontaneous at this point, within the Republican Party that basically allows for a rational position to be generated by more than one or two individual senators or Congress people at a time, where there is a movement, where there are guts being shown. Where the hell is a Mitt Romney even at this point? Everybody's scared to death of this monster that Donald has helped to create and that he basically uses to keep him in the headlines and give him whatever hope for additional power and money he can want. There's always money. This can't just go on this way. We can't just have the Republican parties facilitating and enabling and, and, stepping, and then stepping away from any of the nefarious or negative results of their facilitating and aiding the Trumpian base. You can't have that. It's too late, Republicans, to step away. You better step up because if you don't, we're not far from the point I'm just Damn it, I hate to say this because it, it, it puts a knot in my stomach, but we're not far from the point where the idiots will be out in the streets because they don't know what the hell else to do. They don't have any real leaders. They are simply being given targets for their grievances. It's gotten to the point where it can't just be grievance. Now there has to be a target associated with it. The grievance thing has been played long enough. Now they have to act it out. And the Republicans seeing this aren't doing a goddamn thing to stop it. And if they don't stop it, it will be on the Republican Party. It's not on the Democrat. Oh, why didn't you stop us? If you'd only given us everything we wanted, we would have stopped. We would have, we would have sort of stopped them. Bullshit. They know it, and everybody on the planet knows it right now. The Republican Party has lost its spine, it's lost its balls, it's lost its direction, it's lost its mind. It has nothing. It is an empty, it is an empty structure, and basically it is nothing but a sounding board for the most radical within this country, giving them permission to go ahead and do whatever the hell they think they have to do. And no one who was allegedly rational within that party is doing anything to stop the irrational sorts that are underlying this thing. So so I I hate to do this on a Friday, especially. Especially when I have we have David Bach coming in a few minutes here. But I, I, I've got to. I don't, I don't want to go, I, I don't like going into the weekend with thoughts like this, but maybe, maybe it's best to express it. And maybe more and more of us have to express these thoughts. We are on a collision course with reality. The reality being that you can't have people given a diet of, of, of grievance, grievance, grievance without finally giving them an outlet. Donald won't be the only, voting for Donald or yay Donald, yay Donald, and that's it. No, no, no. Targets. Now we're getting past the pure grievance stage. We're getting past just being, uh, worshiping the, 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 the cult leader, Donald. And now they, these people are, are, what we're seeing is a willingness and a need to act it out. And if this is not gotten 
control of rapidly. Rapidly. We are in for some major problems in this country. And thinking back to the 60s and, and all of that, that would barely be a prelude to this because it would be far more diffused around the country <clears throat> in far more areas of the country and could potentially be far more disruptive to real government processes. And, and, and the people who think if we take it down, we'll automatically get what we want, they have no goddamn idea what the hell they're talking about. That's their grievances talking, and that's, that's what Donald wants because that's what Donald thinks he needs in order to get his ass out of a sling, what's, 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 what's coming down for him. It's an ugly, ugly time. We need Leadership, we need rationality. God damn it, Republicans. Will you wake up and realize that if this all gets as ugly as it could, it takes you down as well. In fact, maybe it takes you down first. In fact, maybe you wind up with targets on your backs because Donald will be unhappy about something, so he'll declare you targets before anyone else. Who, who the hell knows how this plays out? Everybody is a potential target when the place is falling apart. You can stop this. We can at least begin tapping the brakes on this. Get control of your Chuck Grassleys. Get control of your Ron Johnsons. For God's sake, put a lid on them and get out there and say, this is not us. No, you, 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 no, Mitch, Mitch McConnell, don't just have a, a casual sit-down, very, very uh, uh, wing-back chair to wing-back chair interview with Axios saying, well, I think there's a possibility that, that because we, uh, uh, we, we, we have a qualitative issue and the candidacy for... No! Say, get out. Say what can't be said. Say, you got to stop this. Enough of this already. No, I, 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 I couldn't say that because of any chance of I might be blamed. Yeah, okay. It's too late. You have to have people who think and act like a Liz Cheney, who I disagree with on every other level on earth, except that we both understand that there's a need to preserve the country, that you can't tear the place down because Donald's having a perpetual, lifelong hissy fit. You can't do that. But you can't, but well, it, I say you can't do it, but it's possible. This is how these things happen in history. And we're careening towards it. Now, come on, Republicans, wake up. People who are Trump supporters, wake the hell up. We all have too much to lose here. We have a country, we have a culture, we, ha we have, we have a, a huge, powerful democracy. We have a military, which could react God knows how if this starts to fall apart. Please, I mean, this is not, gee, let's see. No, no, let's evolve and we may go through some tough times, but for God's sake, we have to be able to sense that there's a way to get through this. We have to hear Republican leadership. For God's sake, please. 
If you if you're church going or mosque going or temple, for God's sake, if you're going to pray at all this weekend or any time you do, pray that there will be inspiration given to a sufficient number of Republicans and Republican leaders to begin talking out against the violence that they are explicitly supporting at this point with the rhetoric that they are allowing from people within their ranks, from high-ranking people within their ranks. Pray they grow a pair. Pray they understand. Pray they recognize what Liz Cheney understood sometime back already, and a few other Republicans who are paying a price for it politically. You can't just let this go. You can't just say, oh, well, it's Donald, it's not really me, I, I, and, and besides, you know, well, there's an election coming. Well, there's always an election coming up. I don't want to rattle the base. There's always an election. You can't just let it go. Please, Republicans, I'm begging you, wake up. Wake up and take control of your base not the other way around. Right now, they're controlling you. They're, they're not controlling anything. Their grievance and anger is, is basically controlling your emotions, your fears. But you're not going to have a job to worry about if this gets as far out of control as it potentially could. Wake up. Please. A little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, Thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You already know that it's Friday, and the best possible sequitur I have to that statement, the one I look forward to regularly, you know, you say... It's Friday, and the next thing you say is, David, what's on your mind? Well, there's a lot going on, and you can listen to more of what I have to say on Twitter at Faces Ideas and on Twitch at at twitch.tv slash freshfacesnoideas. Excellent. So, look, there's two things. I want to go through a very quick timeline of what's going on with the Trump stuff, and then I want to talk about Liz Cheney. So, for the Trump stuff, this coincided when it happened with the vacations for both, like, Chris Hayes and um, Tucker Carlson, apparently Ben Shabibo as well. Now, when Tucker and Ben got back, keep in mind, they have the hindsight of over a week of this information. This is not, you know, that week that it happened where every day we learned a little bit more, a little bit more about what happened. We, we understand the, uh, what the, we're the, the, I, I wanted to say the raid on Mar-a-Lago, the search, the authorized, legally authorized search of Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, okay. Right. This wasn't the first day we're like, oh, my God, what happened? What did they take? Right. What was involved with? Right. We've, we've seen the documents of what they've taken. We know what is being investigated. We have some idea of what is in these documents, at least speculatively. 
Yeah, I mean, so, ca ca from a cate from a categorical perspective, secret, top secret, secret for location only, all that other stuff. But but that's well, okay. I mean, yeah, we we know it's stuff that should never ever have gone out of the White House. Well, I mean, some of it to some because I've I've covered this a couple times. Some of this, so like there was a reporting originally that he had things like the Kim Jong Un letter, like like that they were writing love letters back and forth. Yeah. Um, I honestly do not give a shit if he had those. Well, um, those those make no difference to anything. No, you're you're absolutely uh, right. You're absolutely right. There's and and there's there's been talk at, from several different media sources today saying that the uh, Justice Department attorneys, in all likelihood, and have given some indications to some reporters that what they're doing is sorting through this stuff and deciding what of it is actually. Privileged or stuff that does not belong to what they were looking for and searching. When you're picking up 12, 15, 20 boxes at a clip and you got to get it out of there and you're not going through every bit of it inch by inch, yeah, it would not be unthinkable that you might be pulling in information that you really should not be getting your hands on. And like in any search like this, there is a period of time that follows it where people work their way through it and decide what goes back to the person who was searched. It's a normal process. Right, and those are, those are called the clean teams. Now, yeah, 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 that's yeah. also imperative to something else because it came out, I believe, Monday. Yeah. Donald Trump tweeted that they stole his passports. Ah, ah, right, 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 yeah. So yeah. he is technically correct. The FBI did have his passports. They have three of them. Two are expired, and one was his diplomatic passport. The clean teams went through and returned them to him like they said they would. They said anything that is not relevant to our investigation will be returned. Yeah, of course. Now, the other thing to remember about this is we don't know what's in those boxes. No, so you not. can't make the claims, oh, Donald Trump has the nuclear codes or Donald Trump has uh, this or that. Because all we have is it's like marked box A. One of the people who understands what's in those boxes, you cannot speculate on what he has. But to be clear, there comes the other thing. This, this idea that Donald Trump can... Um, declassify these these things all of the statutes that he is under investigation for have nothing to do with classification exactly so that's irrelevant off the first part second there's this idea of how he declassified it so there's a couple schools of thought there's the uh the heritage foundation school of thought that they just made out of whole cloth that says if donald trump thinks it it is it is it happens um so and this, this this is expounded upon by more ridiculous people like Ben Shapiro who basically argue, oh, even if he thought it post hoc, it, it counts. So therefore, Bill Clinton can declassify whatever the issues were with Hillary's information. He just didn't tell anybody, and it, it's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's look, this is the funniest thing about their dipshit logic. Anytime you just follow it two steps down the road. It falls apart because look. Let's let's just very briefly. January sixth, by their own logic, Mike Pence has the power to overturn the election in twenty twenty. Well, well, again, but but you know, and you're absolutely right. The thing here is though, and 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 you and I have said this on countless occasions. The dipshit logic falls apart. Not even one step 
past their lips. It's not, but, the, but the point is it's not designed for you and me. It's not designed to be rational. It's not designed to be intelligent. It's not designed to basically convince anybody. Certainly on the rational side of the equation, you have to be in Looney Tune land. You have to be in MAGA land. You have to be in nutcase. This is just more, more Tabasco sauce on your red meat. That's all this is. There, there's no... I don't think I don't think maybe maybe you you might feel otherwise that there's actually the belief that they're convincing someone with this that isn't already convinced and on his side you know yeah look it's it's all about muddying the waters yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah and it doesn't look it doesn't make any sense um, on just any level because even if let's let let's Let's go with their fancy, um, fancy idea. Let's go with their fancy idea that they actually did declassify it. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't change the fact that these secrets are still considered, at the very least, one of them is top secret CSI, which is like the most highly classified stuff. And having it in any type of area where it was in Mar-a-Lago would mean that it was. Not securely secured. So even if you declassified it, it doesn't change the fact that the underlying inf- that the information itself still falls under that category. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. And and it's and therefore to have it in Mar-a-Lago is a violation of the appropriate Title 18 federal statute. That's simple. It's a criminal. It's a criminal violation. Anyone knows that. Anyone working within Washington, within the White House, anyone who's ever dealt with that type of information knows that. Donald Trump doesn't get a pass. And and then the funniest, the funny, well, we got to talk about their last defense. So uh, this last one, and then I'll go through their list of defenses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Donald Trump is a standing order that anything taken from the White House to the residency is declassified. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, they also said that the reason is he's a guy who works late. Donald Trump is, like, notorious for not paying attention to these briefings. Yeah, of like, course. Yeah. There are so many stories that they essentially just had to put pictures with his name on them on a bullet point <laughs> yeah, for him yeah, to pay attention yeah. to this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. This is not a... Uh, this is not like somebody who's spending hours uh, looking at this. Yeah, well, um, you know, again, it, it, it's it's not it's it's for it's it's an argument to be used in a bar uh, with a, among a bunch of people who are already have have drunk so much Kool Aid that they they're they're basically bloated from it at this point, and it's something to toss back and forth to make them all the angrier and feel all the more aggrieved. It's just nothing, something else to grease the wheels of the grievance machine. But but on on, on the point of of declassification also. There's so much underlying material that is probably, and again, probably, summarized in the classified documents that he has, that to simply declassify that one document doesn't doesn't deal with all of the underlying materials, all the classified sources of that material. That's why there's a, a, a highly uh, specified process that one has to go through, even if the president goes ahead and declassifies something. There's a huge methodology that's all laid out, that all works this way. And on top of that, it's not just declassified for him. It's decla- you, So you or I, hey, David, maybe one of us should do this. Should we, should we go put in a FISA request for all of the uh, Donald Trump de- declassified documents? And let's see how far that gets. 
you know. Right, and that's some of the other thing is they're trying to add. To, apparently, they were fingerprinting to see who also was touching us. Yeah. Because it, there's there's this uh, one of his. I don't know if he's his lawyer or just his stooge, uh, Cash <laughs> Patel. Oh. He's basically saying, yeah. like, I know what's classified. Well, how do you know it's classified unless you're looking at this? Do you have the clearance to be looking at this? Yeah, yes, yeah. It, it's, so it's, it's him yeah. and John Solomon both fall under that category. And by the way, Patel is not his attorney. No, he is not. He's just, okay. he, he's just a sycophant. He's just, uh, you know, another, um, I don't know, you know, he's... I don't know. I don't know who to compare him with. There, there, there's, there's one whack. There's one wackier than the next. I don't know. But Patel is not his attorney. Right. So then, let's talk about Liz Cheney very briefly. Ah. So, I haven't looked at the last polling, but my understanding is she got walloped. Yeah. It was um, like a two. It's like a two to one defeat. Two to one, roughly. Okay. So, there's a lot going on here. First off. Let's dispose the notion that Liz Cheney is a Democrat. We're talking about Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney <laughs> voted 93% with Donald Trump. Yeah. And had he won or successfully pulled off his coup, she would probably still be in power. Yep. That's, that's clear. The only point, like, I haven't gotten around to looking at this, and I'll probably do this on stream um, uh, soon. The only big difference between Liz Cheney and Donald Trump is She's okay with when her dad did it, but she's not okay when Trump tried it. <laughs> you know, you know, thank you for reminding the world about this. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to adjust to the perspective when one part of a person's personality and activities is is basically uh, in, in line with rational activity. If you look at her votes on everything from gun control to immigration to policing to, I mean, she is as far right as any human being can be, but she draws a line. I, I think you and I had a conversation about this some weeks back, not in the context, obviously, of the, of the, Mar-a-Lago, uh, the Mar-a-Lago seizure, but well before that, that, that all of what she was doing with the January 6th committee was as much an effort to preserve her father's legacy as her own. I, I don't know. I mean, it was, I, I recall we had a conversation about this. I just throw that out there. No, it's, it's, it's her legacy, and it's, um, it's about that. And that's why, like, she's setting herself up to run for president. Now, I don't know if she's going to run as an independent or she's going to run um, as a Republican. Um, if she does run as an actual Republican, it'd be it'd be interesting to see who gets more votes between her and Mike Pence in a hang Mike Pence party. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm I'm just thinking. So you're 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 seeing it, and I and I've heard a lot of people on both sides of this. So you feel as though she has she's giving out the signals that it's 2024. Definitely, she's looking for a run this this time around. You is that what you're seeing? I think so. If it's not this time, it will be within the next couple cycles. I would, I would totally agree with you because this time around, well, I mean, the unknown. If, if Donald, if Donald's going to do something, and again, I don't know how you feel about this, and I don't want to take you off Liz Cheney too quickly, 
But if Donald's going to do something, he's going to do it damn soon because he basically feel he he has this need to be the the biggest story of the day constantly. And as more and more stuff comes out about what is there and what happened and and what else is going on and all the bad news comes out. The only way he's going to capture the, the top of the news cycle is going to be if he announces for the run. And, and, uh, that's, and once he's done that, I don't know, you know, uh, the word now at least is, uh, you know, Pence, uh, Liz, anybody, uh, does anyone stand a chance against him? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Look, but here's the thing. Even if she runs as an independent, yeah, okay. anybody vaguely to the left or center should not spend their time voting on it. Because let's be clear about what her job is. Her job is as a spoiler candidate for the Republicans. Exactly. Thank you. Not Thank for you for bringing that out. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if, if, if you believe in any way, shape, or form Liz Cheney should be president, you probably should not be voting for Liz Cheney for president anyway. Yeah. But, like, if you're... This is not some, like, Bernie or Bus third... Like, I swear to God, if she announces, the, the forward party is going to endorse her. Yeah, okay. But what will happen is those votes, and I, and I totally agree with you on this, the votes she gets are not going to be otherwise Democratic or, or somewhere within the left spectrum. No, she's taking Republican votes away, and she knows it. And she knows it. And, and what she has announced, and if you're, if you're reading and hearing the same things I am, her main goal in life, at least through the end of November of 2024, is to unelect Donald Trump. Make sure that SOB gets nowhere near the, light, the White House. I think what you're saying is a perfect formula. If she's anywhere on any ticket, she's going to pull votes from Donald. Not from Joe or whoever else is running on the also, on the Demi Also, it's it's worth mentioning she is fine if it's DeSantis. Yeah, okay. Or if it's Tucker, or if it's Mike Pence. But the daylight, the difference between those people and Donald isn't really that much. No, it's not. It's not. In fact, Pence and Donald basically there was no daylight between them. DeSantis. The, the only daylight is how much how how alive Mike Pence should be. <laughs> And, and DeSantis basically has been, be, besides uh, whatever, whatever, however close they are in any other way, his, his legislative efforts have been such that he's trying essentially to be as a meaner bastard, even a meaner version of Donald. That's what he thinks is his claim to being the most logical alternative to Donald if Donald does not find his way into uh, the primary or through the primary, and if... If any of these laws, uh, if he's indicted on any of these laws, many of which carry with them part of their penalty being you may no longer run or hold any office, federal office, uh, that's it. Donald's out on a technicality. Now, th that's assuming uh, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, that, the, that the DOJ would charge through the federal courts would charge and basically bring an action that would result with that penalty or would go for that penalty as part of the, of the verdict against him. I don't know if they would, but it would be the easy way out, and DeSantis wants to be the first on the list for that. I would consider DeSantis the top runner in that regard. Okay. I mean, that's, that's look, 
The idea that Liz Cheney lost is some is some type of positive for the Republican Party. You have to understand, at least in Wyoming, around a quarter of the Republicans there back the candidate whose goal is to put Donald Trump in jail. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That for every vote that she got shows that there is that much rationality within the Republican Party, even within Wyoming. And if that ratio, if a two-to-one ratio among all Republicans were to hold up more or less in some way in states across the country because there are enough people who feel that uncomfortable about it, this could be a disastrous midterm for the Republicans. Yeah. I mean, that was the hope. Look, the Democrats have done some decent stuff recently. It's time to be on the offensive. Joe Biden pointing out that none of the Republicans voted for anything in the uh, in, uh, in the uh, oh, yeah, Inflation yeah. Reduction he's, Act. He's got all that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. And also, we can tell Joe Manchin to go fuck off with all of his uh, <laughs> his uh, his um, his oil leases now. He got what he wanted. The IRA. We have no reason to give him anything else. D David, did you notice that as 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 Biden was signing the uh, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, the person who did he hand the pen to? As he I signed, I have just seen it. Yeah. He hand, There was a video of this. He handed the pen to Joe Manchin. And now, if that wasn't symbolic, and if that wasn't. Uh, uh, I, I wonder, and, and Manchin, if you look at this video, seemed a bit hesitant at first to accept the pen. There were only like four people standing around Biden when he signed this, Manchin being one of them. And I was very surprised at Manchin's reaction. He didn't seem prepared for the notion that Joe Biden would offer him the pen. Ultimately, he had no choice but to accept it. Very interesting. You ought to take a look at the video. All right. Um, so, well, uh, th th there's so much more coming down the pike right now and, and so much more. Uh, we're, we're just, again, we're, we're talking more or less about the same stuff over the course of, of, of two weeks now, two, well, two, sh two of our shows together anyway. But I have a feeling that by the time you and I speak the next time around, a week from now, there's going to be a lot more substance to deal with. Um, and it, it, it's just going to get curiouser and curiouser. I, I cannot imagine for a moment that there is not going to be an indictment coming down at some point against, uh, against, uh, against Trump. I mean, Giuliani, six hours sitting with the Georgia uh, special uh, prosecutors, uh, with the, with, I'm sorry, with, the, with, the, with, the, with essentially the, the closed grand jury, uh, who knows, he might have taken the fifth all that time, but six hours is a hell of a long time just to be taking the fifth. And, and, and who knows where all this is going to be going. But I just have a strange feeling that by the time we speak next week, um, there should be a lot more to talk about. What's your thought? I think that's probably accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one way or the other, thank you for this week. Thank you for every week. And, uh, I, and thank you for the opportunity to uh, let me ask you so that you can tell our listeners uh, where else they can run across you. 
you can find me on Twitter at Fish at Faces Ideas, and you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Fresh Faces No Ideas. Listen in to David. It's well worth listening and look at. You get to see him, too. You know, get to see that smiling face. Uh, this is a guy who has a lot to offer. Uh, please take it, accept it, and uh, deal with it, as we so enjoy dealing on Fridays, and as I also enjoy doing on Fridays, ending our time together with a little uh, hope and, and, uh, and offering uh, in the form of a little more jazz. Listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. We're in an ugly zone. We have people with grievances about, you know, heavy duty grievances, let's say a quarter of the country, and the Republicans basically are letting them grieve over whatever Donald gives them to grieve at. He needs them to basically shield him. Their grievances are spilling over into real targets. Republicans are doing nothing to stop it. This can't go on this way.